Hello, and welcome to the Thirst Eye Podcast, where we take our ideas, visualize them in our third eye, and bring them into reality so we can talk about them in tangible ways. I'm here with some of my freaks and friends, and we're all different agents in this journey to enlightenment. All I know about death is woohooing him on The Sims. I'm Agent 13. Instead of death drop, I think you should reverse that and drop dead. I'm Agent 19. I'm Agent 11, and you can catch me at the graveyard twerking to Soper Iternus. Agent, and I'm here. I'm going ghost! So this is our third and final episode in our Life Stages series. In the last two episodes, we talked about childhood and aging, but in this episode, we'll be crossing the River Styx and into the land of the dead. So last episode, we were essentially talking about aging. And so a question that I feel like is sort of in the same vein of that is, um, Basically, if you could live forever, would you? So if science was like, yo, literally never have to die, would you? Yeah, I, th- I think my answer to that question would be like, I wouldn't want to live forever, but I would want to be young for like a moderate, like a longer amount of time. Like if they said, you can be like you can look 20 for the rest of your life but you're gonna die at 50 and you'll just literally look 20 the entire time i'd be like all right that's fine you know and like the moment you turn 50 you just die i'd be fine with that yeah i i I get that it's true like the worst part is just like actually declining I don't think I would want to live forever. That's never something I've really vibed with. Like, I used to be really afraid of death when I was a kid, and I'm sure we'll touch on that some today. But I don't know, as I've gotten more comfortable with it, I'm just realizing that, like, after a certain amount of time, like, what else is there to do? So I don't think living forever or prolonging my life is something I'm necessarily interested in. But, like maybe maybe a little bit i would prolong it a little bit but i would not want to live forever yeah like you have to die to be able to turn in your work you know yeah that (laughs) that's the funny way to think about it but yeah that's so true so i feel like death is one of those things that is just like inevitable like we we sort of need it for growth or we would stagnate if everyone would just live forever like i don't think that would ever scientifically possible yeah and i find it to be one of humanity's main hubris to think that we can outlive life itself if that makes any sense to just try to extend our lives forever and i've gotten to a point that immortality scares me more than death itself First of all, I'm glad I have good genes because people still ask me if I'm excited to go back to high school. <laughs> um, so thank, thank goodness for that. Um, 
but yeah that's interesting you guys bring immortality up because essentially all these like sci-fi movies about like immortality um are trying to predict that eventually we will have our consciousness be uploaded to some cloud that will allow that and it's well i want to say that i do want to live forever if you if i like once i really think about it it's not really something i'd be up for like i i could live like i want to live to at least be 100 years old but like staying forever in this specific life just doesn't make sense agreed i think what you said about like sci-fi movies and stuff is like kind of interesting because I, i have like a point to make on this which is i feel like our society is sort of at this like splitting point between choosing technology and choosing materialism or sort of choosing to like evolve spiritually and like cling to nature and the earth and the spirit realm. I don't know if that makes sense, but I feel like we're being sent a lot of subconscious messages through our media. They want us to expect certain things about the future. And one of these things is like moving forward and becoming so reliable on this technology. But I don't know, I feel like we're sort of being pushed to like go into this technological lifestyle it, it it may seem like innovation but if you think about it once they come up with that technology it's not going to benefit the common folk rich people are going to live forever mm-hmm. that's going to be something that costs so much money or like <laughs> we aren't going to mars when the world ends rich people are i don't know that's kind of a tangent but i feel like <laughs> it, it was an, a point i wanted to make Yeah, I 100% don't trust these tech companies and these tech moguls to I don't believe that they have our best interests in mind because they already don't have their workers best interests in mind. Yeah, and even if we do eventually like if it becomes like a widespread tool where the lower class gets access to it, like the question of what are conscious be trapped in this cloud it would how long and because eventually this technology will get destroyed by our sun when it explodes exactly when it dies and i feel like it would essentially be delaying death yeah the yeah. inevitable there's never a way to be death like it's literally impossible so basically if we decided that scientifically we can't live forever or we don't want to live forever what do we think is like the ideal age of dying and would that be young like there's a there's a lot of like this die young talk or sort of glorification in like media and culture. I personally wouldn't like to die young because that would take away from the learning that comes with aging and 
the growth that comes with aging and all this like while growth is hard and there's a lot of like darkness that you have to push through with growth it is like basically I feel it's like the beauty of living yeah well that's I think that's cute um I don't know I feel like dying young like there's like this glamour this whole like aesthetic like the 27 club and all of that and I very much get the glamour like I like I I kind of get it but young death is usually heartbreaking for everyone involved but there's sort of like this glory or immortality that I feel like people get if they die young like yeah I used to feel that way I used to not have a conception of like what my life would be past 25 or 30 but lately I've been getting more in peace with the fact that I am going to age um, and what that could possibly mean for me and that brings us back to like how last episode we were talking about society's obsession with youth and when you bring it into this whole immortality topic it does underline how obsessed with youth we as a society are how um, people just refuse to accept that we aren't these husks that we are inhabiting we shouldn't care if we get wrinkly if we um start sagging a little and we should actually embrace that because that's what we were put in these husks for to experience that yeah i feel like the parts of life that are the scariest are often like the most beautiful whether that's like love and heartbreak or like death which is essentially like the final heartbreak you know it's like um you love this person and now you're like apart and it's hard and like and there's like death death is very misunderstood um and an easy way to sort of show that is like the death tarot card if we were to watch like some corny show on tv and there's like some representation of tarot uh because it's something supernatural i don't know you would see the death card and you would be like oh my god like shock and appall or whatever um but if you think about it the death card pretty rarely in actual tarot reading um actually means like a physical death it normally just means like a change a rebirth like you're reforming the way um a situation is so if you think about it that is a lot better than another card like maybe the tower card that per se may be more appropriate for an actual end than the death card sometimes there's rebirth all around us like something dies it becomes part of the soil a plant grows from it isn't that rebirth isn't that reincarnation like we are so much more than this physical body i don't know yes i definitely love that you brought up rebirth because like there's birds like the phoenix 
and the eagles that basically re represent that rebirth for example the eagle where they have to choose whether they're going to let themselves not go through the struggle of cutting off their beaks and their claws in order to live past 40 years old or if they choose to just let to let it speak and its claws defeat it and make it die faster there's also a certain species of jellyfish that is immortal but it sort of dies and recycles itself and that's another way that in nature we see um, reincarnation that it just goes back into its first stage of life basically the baby stage of that jellyfish like a phoenix yes and also just the life cycle itself like butterflies I want to go into my little chrysalis like I feel like that's what death actually is death is just a chrysalis or that's what they're called right those little things yeah. like California. Yeah. yeah yeah I feel like that's what death is it's just like an incubation an incubation zone between your next reality yeah and while we're discussing all these different types of deaths and rebirths in nature that we find I I think it's also interesting seeing the way that we define death and how back in the day when people were declared dead we weren't sure if they were actually dead because the science was still iffy on that and so there would be things like people would have like a bell on top of their grave with a string that they would pull to ring to indicate that hey I'm I was buried alive please help and dig me up before I suffocate Yes, I love that. That's so cute. Humans are goofy, man. <laughs> like, you really, like, buried this whole man. And he did, like, did not wake up during that. Like, how you get put in a whole grave and not wake up, but... Can we, can we backtrack a little bit here to um talk about how, like, Holly, Hollywood, like, glorifies dying young and stuff? Like, you guys remember that show on Netflix called 13 Reasons Why? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, that is... <laughs> I, I hate that show. Like, it's so toxic. I hate it. I hate it. This, I mean, it's probably, like, such an old... Because the show's, like, what, three, four years old or something? Like, it's probably, like, a, like beating the dead horse at this point, because people have probably already talked about it. Of course, but important thing to remember. Well, it's interesting you brought up 13 Reasons Why, because... Um, before it was a show, that was, like, probably the only book I read, like, thoroughly, um, when I was in high school, because, like, it's not that I don't like to read, but it's just hard for me, because ADHD, um, but it's, it definitely is worrisome, I guess, how they blew it up to try to appeal to these individuals who are mentally not stable and they took advantage of the fact that you know there's a lot of like death jokes and like it's like coping mechanisms 
and they took advantage of that and that's just like predatory behavior but as we know hollywood is a predator everything is just a predator and yeah i feel like our fear of death very much like sure it's it's natural to be afraid of something we don't understand or like fully know about but i feel like so much of that is just like manufactured by like uh corporations or companies or hollywood because yeah they're trying to sell youth they're trying to sell specific like narratives of life and things like that um but yeah i don't know i think it's just it's it it's like death is something that is very natural and i think we've been sort of taught that death is unnatural we shouldn't be afraid of death like we should live in the moments and when death comes welcome it welcome it like an old friend but there's a lot to be said about the practices that are done whether it's hollywood society or even the funeral industry itself that sort of perpetuates this fear of death because i feel like we're kept so separate from death as a society that we've sort of lost this understanding of it and um we we otherize death but death is very us the death death is human I'm going to have to disagree a little bit with something that 13 said earlier about how we're, um, as a society, disconnected from death. I, um, I think, like, now more than ever, we're at, we're very connected to death, like, but it's in a different way than where our ancestors would have traditionally, like, thought as being, like, connected to the dead. Um, we see, like, especially in American media, we see death every day. You turn on the news, the first thing you see is, like, a car crash or a house on fire, um, you know, the wars in the Middle East. Literally, our entire lives, it's just been war in the Middle East on the news 24-7. Well, not so much recently, but, well, actually, yeah, just not this year, um, because of corona. <laughs> Um, we're still connected to death. I mean, I think about dying every day. (laughs) (laughs) That that didn't come out right. No, no, I understand that. Our society, I think, I get what you're saying, but I feel like it's almost like we're desensitized to it. Like, that's not actual death. We are, like, even though it is actual death, we are seeing it as death that's far away. Like, death that's in a distant land. Death that's, um not gonna affect us it's like we have this weird thing as humans that that's not gonna affect us it's like not the reality of death and i feel like that was more the point i was trying to make but you're absolutely right it's like a weird combination of we're drowned by death but like so far away from it at the same time i don't know yeah that makes sense but also i mean i do agree that we are desensitized towards death but also like weren't our ancient ancestors desensitized toward towards it too like living a hunter-gatherer lifestyle was not easy and they died every day and if 
if someone in your family died, it's just like, oh, well, they're dead now. Let's go bury them, you know? It's, it's you know, it's just another day. Do, do we actually know that, though? Like, I get what you're saying. Like, death was probably much more common back in the old days. So I don't, I don't know. I think that what 19 is trying to get at is that death was more upfront and more in your face back in the day. And yeah, yeah. Also... I want to add to what 19's been saying that as much as I love theorizing about how media and corporate propaganda influences the way we think, I don't think that our fear of death stems necessarily from that and bringing it back to the funeral industry and how we're taught that embalming is the way to go or whatever. It's not that they're creating a fear of death, it's more that they're exploiting this fear of death that is just primordial and is part of the human condition. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, that's more what I was trying to say. Yeah, that essentially, yeah, death always is gonna suck. Like, it's not like capitalism was like, all of a sudden it existed and was like, all of a sudden you die now. Although it kind of feels like that. Um, it's basically just that, I don't know, I lost my train of thought mid-sentence. I do, do want to bring up that there's been celebration of death uh, in past eras where they would literally, it, it'd either be a literal celebration in ancient civilizations or in more recent times, there'd be people that actually um, take death portraits and take pictures of their uh, loved ones so uh, I think death is celebrated in many cultures oh yeah for sure um I feel like the modern funeral industry kind of stemmed off of like um like the death portraits and how people needed to preserve their relatives long enough to take a picture of them and stuff yeah and the modern funeral industry really came out of the Civil War, but it, it grew out of this American funeral industry, it grew out of the Civil War. And um, because basically if you died at battle, like how are you gonna get back home to your family? Because back then they didn't have the fast enough transportation. So it would have it would have been gross if bodies were just like rotting in the streets. So that's why embalming grew it grew out of necessity but that's when people started embalming it was like because you wouldn't have been able to get your body home to your family without being completely decayed but then somehow we've sort of made this the standard of our culture that we embalm almost everyone we do funerals x way we do this that way but if you look at it you see that there's no reason funerals need to be that expensive embalming is terrible for the environment it makes dead people look fucking like creepy um i don't know i could just keep popping off about this um and i'm sure we're gonna keep popping off about this (laughs) yeah um also i like to say i've never been afraid of death i'm ready to die If I get, like, smashed in the head with a rock and die, I'm fine with it. I'm ready to go at any time. Come at me. Like, let's get this bitch over with, okay? What, um, 11, 9, you guys? Yeah, um, 
I guess um, I wasn't really scared of death for long in my life because of like the relationship I have with death. It's kind of a cultural thing. In Mexican culture, what you get is Dia de los Muertos, which is, like Nine said, one of those celebrations of death where you honor the dead. And it's really beautiful when you think about how your ancestors aren't actually gone. They're always there for you. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of the Coco movie. Um, it's definitely nice to... Because essentially, you will be for like this physical... You will always be alive in memories of your children and their children. But... I'm not sure, like, I wouldn't like to die just now, but at the same time, I'm not afraid of death. I wouldn't say I was never afraid of death, because I know at one point of my childhood, I was extremely scared of quicksand for whatever reason. Yeah, because they hype it up in, like, every kid's TV show, like, we think it's going to be a bigger problem than it ever is, you know? So that definitely was a fear of mine. And I think I essentially desensitized myself to death by looking at all these um, survival guidebooks. And I would just read them every like survival guidebook that I got and got all these skills. And I was just like, yeah, I think I'm I'm just I'd I'd be ready for whatever scenario, but um that that was like little kid me um present me is just like it is what it is. If I do die now, I would be content. I think we're with what I've accomplished so far. But at the same time, I would like to live at least to be a hundred years old, like I said earlier. I feel like as children, like it's hard to wrap your mind around death. And I feel like that's why it's such a scary thing for most people, especially when you're young. So I feel like it's one of those things you kind of have to grow out of, but I feel like it it is always like kind of there for some people. Um, But I also feel like it's something you sort of have to continually work on. Like it doesn't go away. Like that's sort of like one of those things. Um, But yeah, as a kid, like I I feel like parents would do a lot of things. um, Like if, your pet died they'd be like oh it ran away or whatever um because like kids don't have like a concept of death really so uh parents try to like make up all of these things um so so their kids don't have to conceptualize it but i feel like um it would almost be easier if parents were just like this is death i don't know at a certain age but um i feel like you see a lot of death as a child and you just don't know how to comprehend it like this is like a really strange story but i remember like i remember this really vividly but it was back whenever this was i must have been like pretty young but i remember it was one day 
killed, like basically executed Saddam Hussein. And obviously that's a terrorist. And essentially I, like as a child, did not have like a full con- like concept of this is a bad person. This person killed people like yada, yada, yada. Um, but all I saw was them showing someone being executed on the news, which no matter how you spin it is, is weird that we want to like televise executions, but whatever. Um, but like everyone was just like watching that on the news, like hooray or whatever, or just like watching it like it was the news. But as a child, like I remember like crying and like trying to hide it from my family. Cause I feel like I kind of understood the concept that he was a terrorist and that we were, it was like supposed to be a happy thing. But for some reason I was just like, this person died. Like I'm so confused. Um, but I feel like that's like a very normal thing thing for a kid like a kid doesn't have like a concept of politics it very much has a concept of like this is life and death good and bad like they're not they don't know all of these things like I I don't think when I was growing up my parents ever tried to like hide death for me like when you said like like someone be like oh your dog went to go live on a farm um like when I was a kid, we had two cats and they disappeared. And so my parents told me that they got eaten by coyotes. Oh my God. <laughs> That's probably good for your character though. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I've, they've always been upfront with death to me. Like, um, I saw a dog eating another dog. Um, oh my, what? This cannibalism. <laughs> um, when I was like, I think I just turned three. I adopted a cat and um, it died a couple days after I adopted it, but like I knew it was going to die and that's the reason I adopted it. Like my mom took me to the shelter, right? And um, I saw that cat and it, and it, I don't know if I like how I can say this and it wouldn't make sense, but it was like, it basically told me like, I don't want to die in this shelter. And I was like, okay, I'll take you to my house and you can die there. And it died a couple days after we got it. That's I don't, that's I don't know how that would make sense. I don't know. I feel like that's sweet in a sense. Because animal death is sort of like a whole other thing. Like if you have a pet, I feel like an, a death of your pet just like hits different. But I feel like it's good that um that like I don't know I feel like I've had animals in the past that weren't with me for a long time but like they were meant to be in my life and they were like sort of meant to die with me like I feel like everything sort of has like its place in our lives and as much as like death is sad there's been times in my life where I've um like for example this summer I started caring for chickens and all of my favorite chickens kept dying like one after the other. And it was so heartbreaking, which sounds stupid because y'all don't know chickens, but um, it really sucked. But the only way I was able to rationalize it is like, these souls came with me for like a very small period of time. And it's, it's because maybe they just needed 
their life was meant to be very short and they needed like a good person to be around and you know maybe that's what that kitten was like i just need love you know animals just want to be loved they want to be cared for and that's what humans want too souls come to people for a reason whether that's a human or a cat or a chicken bringing it back to how 13 brought up her her sort of um experience watching saddam hussein die it's interesting how when we were growing up we experienced a lot of really notable figures dying and how there was always a lot of commotion around like say celebrities dying yeah do you guys remember when michael jackson died and everyone was like oh his doctor killed him blah 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 and then that guy from the oxy clean commercial died like a week later that was the craziest time of my life. I remember that so vividly for some reason. Also, I feel like that's one of the first times I actually remember seeing my mom get visibly emotional. Like she was like, just cause Michael Jackson's like iconic. I feel like Michael Jackson, especially for like people who are older than us, was someone who was just like, um, I don't know, like an all encompassing figure of that generation. Um, so I don't know, I feel like celebrities very much represent something bigger than themselves. So I feel like that's why their deaths are so blown out of the water. Yeah, and I have a story about David Bowie's death. So when David Bowie died on the night of his death, I had a dream that I was on a bus and We pulled up to this gray industrial looking building and then the man in front of me stood up because that was his stop and he turned around and smiled at me and I was like, whoa, is that David Bowie? And then he got off and then I woke up after that. I found out later that David Bowie died And I was like, whoa, what the heck? So yeah, I have a spiritual connection to the song Black Star because of that. I can verify this because he literally told me this the literal day David Bowie died. So it's legit. But it's interesting how how we can pick up on death in different ways in our dreams. like you can almost be like reunited with your loved ones that have passed over in your dreams um but you can also sort of have like these predictive death dreams because i want to say when my um stepdad's father died and my family was like out of town dealing with it it's almost like i woke up that day sort of knowing um but it's interesting death is sort of um like it's not it it pervades throughout all realms i don't know yeah i don't think i've ever been really impacted by celebrities mainly because i don't really follow them but so a fictional character that that did impact me was alexa from the hundred and because she was such a strong like female character and a lot of um fans of the show would understand 
OMG, 9 and 13. Do you remember when we stood in a circle and cried while holding hands and listening to Purple Rain when Prince died? Yes! I was about to say that the only celebrity death that I feel like really impacted me. I have always stand Prince and my mom is like a really big Prince fan. So when he died, we were like going through going through it. But um I also remember like that was the year we went to the prom or whatever and we were just like dancing and crying to Purple Rain at the prom. I think that's a vibe. I don't know. <laughs> How long do you think we were <laughs> replaying Purple Rain? I think at least 10 minutes. <laughs> but we also sat through the entire two-hour recording of Tina Turner saying the Buddhist chant. I was about to say that! I forgot about that! I thought that was a fake memory. The Tina Turner saying, um, it was the Nam Meho Renge Kyo for like two hours. Yes, I remember that. I remember oh, that too. Yeah. I was like, is this the same night? But it definitely yeah. is. We'd be kind of quirky. <laughs> we were feeling it. <laughs> we were really so ahead of our time. Like, I feel like we aged well from that phase. But anyways. Yeah. Um, but also we should know how a lot of times celebrity deaths are commodified in our society. And how even like reporters have already pre-written um, obituaries for pretty much every single celebrity that they keep updated just in case someone dies oh I forgot about that but that's definitely a thing and something as an artist this is what I see a lot because like if something notable happens like someone dies or whatever artists and business people and corporations the first thing they're trying to do is hop on that trend and get that artwork get that content get that whatever thing they can sell out so they can like profit off of this person's death. And like, I don't know, I feel like it's valid to sort of want to celebrate someone's life with art. And maybe if you're really sincere, I get it. Like if you're like a diehard fan of that person, but I do see a lot of, um, yeah, I feel like capitalism has sort of like reduced the lives of people, especially famous people. to sort of, yeah, they weren't, they're not a person, they're a commodity. Um, and you can see that a lot in the way we mourn them. Also, it's weird how when someone dies, it's like you can't criticize them anymore. For example, um, Tentacion, his stands will literally come at you if you say anything about how problematic he is. It's weird because it's like actual shitty people who are problematic. You can't say how shitty they are, but um, it's like in some cases um, people want to instantly shit on someone when they died. Like XXX whatever was obviously a questionable ass individual, but we can't critique him. But at the same time, as soon as someone who, like David Bowie died it was like there was like a villain like assassination attempts on his character so I don't know I feel like that's also just because the internet is like the collective unconscious of our society so it's always just gonna be garbage but um, yeah 
it's interesting how we critique famous people, especially dead ones. Yeah, so, like, I know how we're talking about how celebrity deaths and, like, how people meme them and, like, how ethical it is to make a commodity out of how they die. There's just, like, a lot of ethics revolving around death in general. And another, like, big topic that people have an issue with is euthanasia. And, um... Like, I'm just gonna come out and say I support euthanasia and I think it should be an option for people who want or need it. Like, say someone's in a nursing home and they have Alzheimer's and they just, they don't know who they are and they wake up scared every morning because they don't recognize their surroundings and they they don't know that, like, they don't know they have Alzheimer's. They don't know their the way they are. They just don't understand it and they can't understand it and they never will. I think it would be ethical to put them out of their misery. Like if you're not in that in that person's head, you can't understand how terrifying it is for them. Mm-hmm. I think this should be like a rights issue point blank and you as a human being have like a right over your life and I would be, another way people want to say euthanasia is like physician-assisted suicide, Um, but I feel like that should be like an across-the-board thing that everyone should be able to do. Like I remember with my great-grandfather when he was dying, um, they were like withhold food and water or whatever. So like essentially they're just like literally letting you lay there until you starve. Like no one wants to die like that. and like. Something my mom and my grandparents have always said as has been like, if I'm suffering, like pull the plug. Like if I'm aging like terribly and it's not going well, just shoot me. I don't know. People have the right to die. They do. Like I'm right with your parents and grandparents. I agree with them 100%. If I'm ever like just gone and not recoverable and I'm just dying slowly just take me out yeah I think everyone deserves the right to bodily autonomy and and that does include whether or not they choose euthanasia I do think that life support is immoral at some point like in those cases that y'all are describing just keeping people their bodies alive just for the sake of it and I have a theorem that that's just because the hospital wants them inside of the hospital longer yeah. to charge up those bills. Only rich people can afford to do that anyways. Mm-hmm. Right, like, I agree. people don't have the luxury of being able to keep their loved ones alive like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, that, that reminded me of a story. Um, so this mom says that her second son basically he was stillborn, but he was still like able to live and grow but with not without assistance like he basically had to be plugged in to be alive like he had to be plugged in to breathe and and everything um um he can't talk or think he's brain dead he's literally brain dead and it's just his organs and body functions that is that are moving and 
I, I guess you could say living, but um, not really because there's no life, there's no soul in, in that body. It's just an empty body. And so they're just, they're keeping this kid alive. He's, at the time of the story, he was about seven. So the father had killed himself because he couldn't take the pressure and the burden of taking care of this parasite. I, I know it's harsh to say that, but it's a parasite. Um, the older brother hated the, the younger brother because the older brother got no attention um, because all of the mother's attention was on keeping the younger son alive. And he doesn't have a dad anymore because he killed himself. I think another thing about, I think it's a similar vein of euthanasia rights. Um, because I feel like we all are have a pretty strong stance on like euthanasia rights here. But I think another interesting thing that people don't necessarily think about is corpse rights. And um, that sounds kind of weird, but it's like, it's true, even though like we're not physically in our bodies, it's like, we also like have a right to our bodies though, even though like once we're dead, we're not physically in it. So it's kind of like, Another weird thing that's with our society is like there's only like a few ways you can bury people. But like you can't like bury grandma in the backyard or you can't um, do like Tibetan sky burial where the vultures come and pick you apart. You can't um, like, I don't know. You can't just be like, I love this spot in the mountains. Just plant me there. I don't know. It's like there's so many restrictions around what we can do with our corpses in this society. And I think it's important to bring up um, the concept of corpse rights. Yeah, you're right. Um, also, like those natural burials are actually co- becoming more and more popular. Yeah, um, that's, yeah. I wanna promote that 100%. Like, um, yeah, that's just one of those things that like, like I said, embalming is so trash for the environment. Cremation is not that much better, but at least you're not leaking toxic chemicals into the ground and like occupying space in the ground. But realistically, I feel like the most beautiful thing is just put me in the ground, no coffin. Because why even have a coffin? Like, don't you just want to be a part of the earth? That is like reincarnation in the flesh. Like you were here and now you're worm food and that is dirt and dirt is tree and tree is food for birds and it's like the circle of life i don't understand why we want to remove ourselves from that so bad yeah for sure um another thing with corpse rights that i do want to mention um so a lot of times when people donate their body to science um it doesn't always get like used for science sometimes do they just like have your parts laying there and then they toss them out um or they're just grossly mishandled like this one place in arizona they found um they were just (laughs) i don't even know how to explain this um like an example of one of the bodies they found there they found a teenage girl's head sewed onto the body of an extremely obese man Um, And just other gross experiments like that, just, um, I mean, the lab was obviously shut down. 
I mean, the same thing happens with like funeral directors sometimes. Like you hear like some rogue story of like so-and-so like has bodies in his attic or like, but again, <laughs> it's usually people who are like freaking mentally ill or like um, 30 years or, high off of embalming fluid and can't make rational decisions. Right, right. Or racist. I saw this one story, um, dead black babies, they weren't burying them. They were just storing them in their attic and in the walls of the um, body. Oh, I don't... Oh, I actually, I think I'm familiar with that exact story. I feel like I watched, I think it could have been an Ask Mortician video, actually. Mm-hmm. But that makes a good point about... Um, especially with corpse rights is like how that disproportionately like affects people of color um because i know for a fact at my school there's like literal documented history and i've done like several projects um on this throughout school just because death interests me but um at the medical college of at our school basically was started by this man who would grave rob black cemeteries and bring them back for people to essentially, um, I don't know, like, essentially they just experimented on the bodies or whatever, but that's why we have donate your body to science now. Like you have to consent to that because it's not good. And then there's um, it's like medical schools and stuff like that have extremely sketchy racist origins. Um, yeah, a lot of things in, in America have racist origins. Pretty much like everything in America does. Yeah, uh, when we talk about corpse rights and euthanasia, it brings me back to my own personal theorem about what happens when we die. So um, basically, I believe that euthanasia is the only way that we can perform suicide without damning ourselves in a way because my own personal theorem is that what happens when we die is largely affected by our circumstances that we die in and our own pre-established beliefs. And when someone kills themselves, it's usually done in a really brutal way and it's usually a form of self-torture and so they've committed to torturing themselves. And until they their soul, I guess, decides that they are done torturing themselves, they're going to be stuck in a loop of torture. And in a way, I I don't believe in hell, but that's the closest to hell that there could be, in my belief. I believe in that pretty much exact thing, like wholeheartedly. Um, and it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, Something from, again, I always go back to my own perspective, which is Hinduism. And from that, I pretty much see that they talk a lot about, um, like, vibration matches with vibration. So when you die, like, what what you're focused on in your mind um, often leads to the place you're going to go. So especially if it's, like, obviously it's not, like, your entire, like if you live this entire good life and then all of a sudden you're like sad before you die, it's not like you're like doomed to like eternal sadness or whatever. But if you, um, 
it makes sense. Like if you are in this torturous place, if you leave this world in a torturous place, you are probably gonna go to a torturous place. Um, and it's all about consciousness. So that's why a lot of really spiritual people are spending their whole lives preparing for death. Because that's pretty much what spirituality is. Like we're practicing like detachment for the moment when death but essentially that's what we're always preparing for in this life especially when you're adopting like a spiritual perspective so talking about preparing for death it reminds me about this book that is called the tibetan book of the dead um and it's basically in tibetan buddhism there is a book that contains basically what they believe happens in the afterlife and you read this to someone while they're dying and every day for I think 42 days after they die and and during that period it's believed that the soul is making their its way to the afterlife and if you don't go through this funeral process then the spirit becomes a sort of hungry ghost. So I'm a big fan of, again, this sort of preparing for death thing, like this cultural practice, like they read the Book of the Dead. And a lot of cultures have that. Um, In Hinduism, like often you'll be like surrounded by your loved ones. They're all chanting on you. Like these later years of your life are sort of focused on like sort of bringing yourself back to God or bringing yourself back to like this sort of elevated energy or this energy of love. But yeah, in our culture, I feel like there's a lot to discuss about afterlives because everyone has such like a vastly different view. And I feel like if we're in the West, we're sort of grow up with this default of heaven and hell. But the more I think about that, the more I just want to throw that in the garbage. I mean, heaven sounds nice, but the actual like heaven and hell thing prescribed by christianity is obviously such bullshit like heaven not heaven hell was definitely a construct created to scare people into behaving a certain way but if you want to look at um this actual hell like 11 um 11 was explaining and 11 was basically saying that if you die you go to this hell-like place and i feel like that's what they were trying to communicate, but it got lost in translation, you know? Um, But I like to think, you know, that there is reincarnation, but that's just my personal bias. Yeah, um, like, like, I agree. I personally don't believe in heaven and hell. Um, But like, if, if someone did want to believe in it, it's like, you could say it's a different dimension, not like it's the automatic default place we go when we die. That's, that's kind of juvenile to think that heaven and hell is real in the first place, though. It's it's like thinking, it's like believing Santa Claus is real yeah. like, for the rest of your life. It's so silly. Honestly, though. You could, you could say there's hell-like or heaven-like pockets of the universe that probably exist. I don't think there's an actual, like, like actual place called heaven or hell. Just there could be similar environments. 
and there's probably no demons living in there poking people with pitchforks and there's probably no angels playing harps um yeah um also like I, I do want to touch on reincarnation and how I do think that's real. And like, we did talk about it a little bit um, in the beginning, um, how like life stages is a form of reincarnation, but like actual like dying and being reborn. Like, I do think that that is also plausible. Like, I don't believe in anything per se, but there are like lots of different theories that I do like that I find interesting. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and because of that, my theorem is ever-evolving, but I agree with tad's bits of everything, but mainly, um, I think mine revolves around, like, you, once you reach your old friend death your soul basically um goes into the astral plane like right above earth and hangs out there for a little bit and that's why like a lot of people see spirits um because especially if you like the spirit still had goals and things they had to do and didn't get to do in this life they kind of hang around but essentially once that goal is met they go to another plane and kind of hang around there until they're ready to go to their next life so yeah i do believe in reincarnation I have this weird thing where I like to think that um people review their lives and I don't know if that's an actual thing but I like to think that um like after we die all of a sudden we're like pulled out of this illusion and then we watch it all back and just like see it from a neutral perspective because I don't know I feel like when you're like when you're alive you're like an actor in the movie like or no you're not an actor in the movie you're a character in the movie like you're feeling all of the pain or whatever but like from the outside perspective you can see things that you like you can see things about your life from the outside perspective that you wouldn't see looking in yeah and a lot of neuroscientists believe that you do just that you review your life because like while you're dead you're or considered dead there is a period of time where your brain is still active and that's believe that you are kind of like having like flash a quick little flashback of all your life when 13 said the metaphor about us being actors it reminded me of this song lyric by kate bush in the song wow she says when the actor reaches his death you know it's not for real he just holds his breath and i just thought that was a funny connection also bringing back the book of dead it's called the bardo Thodol, and it basically explains what the um, bright light that we see is and it's basically that's ourselves that's our higher self 
and if you don't recognize that immediately since it's only like a brief flash of light you have to basically embrace that and that's your one chance to escape that sort of cycle if not you'll just go through a whole cycle that eventually leads to your next life huh that's really interesting but i feel like that does make a lot of sense i actually have a question um sorry for interrupting um okay so what if you like die and see the light but then you get brought back to life is that like your last chance and you won't see it again I think you'll you see it once each time you die. So yeah. if you have a near death experience, that counts out as one death. Because it's not like your um, it, it it's not like your higher self just goes away. Like if that's your higher self, your higher self is always going to be there. You know. Um, okay. Yeah, I was just curious. But that's interesting. I've actually heard people. Uh, because I don't know if I necessarily believe in any of this, but I know some people say. Like, I literally saw this conversation before. I don't know where it was. Probably YouTube comments, because people in YouTube comments be, like, cuckoo. But they were like, don't go towards the light when you die. It's a trap. They're trying to um, farm you back into the mega spirit. Like, um, they're trying to strip away your identity, like, this and that. And I was like, y'all are crazy. Um, You're going to be ghosts, because y'all were just like, I'm going to go nowhere. Yeah, why do they think that's a bad thing? we like so much about ourselves is our souls so i don't think we should be afraid of going back to to join with other souls or losing our sense of ourselves because i feel like if you're truly in tune with yourself in this lifetime you're not going to completely lose yourself when you die because your your essence will still be there that kind of goes into another part of the Book of the Dead that talks about how the reason that we focus on detaching from the ego is that when you die, your mind sort of starts forming a body around it just because it's so used to and so attached to the feeling of having arms and legs. And so you you want that familiarity, that feeling. And so you start forming in your mind's eye but you're dead you start forming arms and legs and eventually like start going into that next life and going into the womb that's really interesting damn gotta remind yourself every day that you're just a pure spirit soul so when you die you're not like trying to take a body again um spiritual practices just every day like this is not my body but i think that's i'm i'm i fuck with that and also talking about um i know we brought up near-death experiences i think that 19 had a story about that oh um my aunt um she when she was in first grade she drowned and died and um and so she said that she saw the light but she was brought back to life by um her dad doing cpr on her but she was dead for a little bit and ever since um ever since she drowned she's been able to see like 
energies and entities and stuff. That's so fascinating because I feel like people have a very wide array of near-death experiences and some of them are very similar but I don't know some of them are very different and I'm remembering another story Um, this woman had a near-death experience and when she had this near-death experience apparently she was like a devout Catholic her whole life Um, but she had this really horrifying um, near-death experience and it was basically that this crazy like monster looking thing came to get her and um she requested the hindu chaplain specifically um because she thought that would be the only person who understood her because what she recognized like wasn't something from her culture um but the chaplain was sort of explaining that she saw something right out of the scripture which is sort of like um angel there's like angels of death essentially and like um if your spirit is with god and with good someone good will come and get you and take you to the place good but um essentially she saw this demon who was a messenger of yama which is like the god of death in hinduism so basically she saw this horrible sort of entity come to claim her because she um was a bad person in her life Um, but she woke back up and didn't get to go with them. But I think it's just um, really fascinating the wide range of religions and or just things in general that people see when they have these near-death experiences. So it's just crazy and apparently from people at that hospital that's not an uncommon thing for people to see during near-death experiences. So if you ever have them demons coming towards you, you already know. Bruh. I'll ask them for a job application. When I was in, like, middle school, I used to want to be the Grim Reaper. (laughs) Wow. You two bringing up these different depictions of death remind me of my own skinny legend. Her name is Santa Muerte, and she is a deity. She is death. So instead of being, like, a deity that has dominion over death, she is death. And she kind of looks like the Grim Reaper, if she was wearing the Virgin Mary's cloak, um, is the most common way you see her depicted. And she's really misunderstood, and she's actually really cute because she's like an all-encompassing sort of mother figure. But she also has a sense of humor. Um, she'll spark up with you if you know what I mean. And she is sort of a patron saint to all the queers and everyone who is like in the outskirts of society so she yeah she's really cute yeah there's a lot of um depending on the language it also um shows how they depict depicts death but for example in spanish it's a female because it's um, when you refer to death, it's feminine, and in other languages, it's um, it's masculine, and I find that interesting. How depending on languages, it's viewed as masculine, masculine or feminine. 
Yeah, and also 13 brought up sort of an idea about like us finding judgment uh, in the afterlife. And one of the earliest texts that you could find that sort of idea is the Egyptian Book of the Dead, which has a similar purpose as the Tibetan Book of the Dead. But of course, it's a different mythos, so it has different aspects to it. And one of the aspects is that once you get to the end of your trek through the underworld, you first meet with 42 different spirits that will judge you and um, see if you've sinned in different ways. And after that, you go to a certain god. I don't remember which one it is specifically, but you weigh your heart against a feather. And if your heart weighs less than the feather, then you are pure of heart. And I think that's sort of a metaphor for if you have a clear conscience, then you will be able to not live, but unlive a good afterlife if that makes any sense. Yeah, I I resonate with that. Yeah, I think it's about, I don't know, sort of living, living your truth or like knowing you did the best you could in your life, you know? I don't know. I feel like, and maybe that's why the Wheel of Samsara continues because we're, um, we be guilty out here. I, that's a, just an interesting way to look at it, but I, there's something to be said about being pure of heart. There's another theory that I found like a while back, where basically spirit lives every single life on Earth, and I find that theory amusing because it also like depicts the concept that time is not linear you literally go through every like life and it, just because you you live 2018 doesn't mean that your next life is going to be in in the like 3000s. It could be like in the BC eras. That's a good point. That's something you have to keep in mind when you're discussing all of this. Because time isn't linear and it's not like... And that's another thing about the afterlife. It's like, if time isn't linear, if everything's happening at once, then how can we be here in the afterlife and in our different lives all at the same time? But somehow, somehow we do it. Um, but I feel like that's something we don't necessarily consider when we try to to conceive these afterlifes because that's something that's hard for us to wrap our minds around anyways. But yeah. Yeah, it's a very quantum type of concept how we're here and there at the same time but also time doesn't exist so what does that even mean um also 
do y'all think that the dead and the living can have contact? Well, hmm. Contact the dead. So, I mean, I've seen a ghost. Um, so, from that perspective, I believe, like, you can contact the dead. Uh, things like that. But I swear I saw ghosts when I was a kid. And that's another thing about being a child is you're just... You're, you're overly sensitive to these things. But um, I used to always swear I saw ghosts in my childhood room at my grandparents' house. And um, I always just like refused to sleep in there ever since I was a kid, ever since I could talk because I was like, there's ghosts in there. So I stopped sleeping in there. But it was like something that I sort of set out to do I wanted to say I was like eight or nine and I was like, I'm determined to sleep in that room or whatever. Cause I used to be so scared of it when I was a kid. But I remember sleeping in there and it was Christmas Eve. And I woke up at like in the middle of the night, like real, real witching hours. And there was like a man standing in front of me, like looks like a complete human man not like a little cartoon squiggly casper man like an actual man standing in front of me just like a slightly different transparency like you could sort of see through them like he was like ghostly looking he sort of was like this silvery clear i don't know but he looked like a person standing there and he was an old man with a big white beard um and since it was Christmas Eve, I was like, yo, this is Santa Claus. So I was like, Santa, is that you? And sat up, and that man disappeared. But ever since then, I feel like, especially if you have ghost stories, that's one of those things that, like, once you have proof of something like that, it's like you can never just be, like, atheist or agnostic or whatever, because there has to be something going on out there. I actually have a few ghost stories, um, but none of them are, like, mine. They're just from people around me. Um, but your story that, like, it reminded me of something that happened to my mom when she was, like, a little kid. Um, so she grew up in Arizona. And she said that one night she woke up and she saw, like, this apparition of a Native American man just standing at the foot of her bed and just staring at her. But that's just something I remember her telling me a few times, like, as I was growing up. Yeah, and this happened to my grandmother. So her neighbor was a drunk, and he would go out to the bar every night. And um, one night, he got hit by a car. And his wife did not approve of him going out to the bar or whatever, so she'd always lock him out of the house and he would climb back in the house through a window. And anyways, one night he got hit by a car and he died. But I guess he didn't know he was dead or something because my my grandma and her mom were in the kitchen in like the middle of the night because she got up to get a glass of water and they both saw like, they saw him crawl in through the window. Like they saw his spirit, like his ghost or whatever crawl back into the house through the window also sometimes like ghosts they don't know they're dead this this goes into a few theories like how a 
like a ghost doesn't know they're dead so they keep going about their daily life and that's why you see like ghosts doing things in the same patterns all the time or all time is happening at once and it's just ghosts aren't really ghosts they're just I guess parts of time that gets stuck in one spot and it keeps replaying and it bleeds into like different other parts of times and that's how people can like see a quote-unquote coast i think if it's interesting to yeah to think about that theory with ghosts because i feel like that's almost what makes them ghosts because everyone would be a ghost Mm -hmm. um but not everyone is a ghost i feel like people who stay ghosts are people who are like again like sort of stuck in a loop of time or having something sort of traumatic they're working through on their in their spirit or whatever um i feel like there is like brief instances of like you see a ghost like right after someone passed but i also feel like right after someone passes there's like more room for a visitation or whatever Mm -hmm. but the sort of stuck in a loop of time thing is really interesting and um if you think about it like there's no reason why i should have saw a ghost in that room at my grandparents house because my grandparents built that house there they are the only people who have ever lived in that house no one died in that house so it's like there's no like logical explanation for why that room in that house would be haunted there just isn't but for some reason in that room i just I don't know if it's just like a portal between worlds or like something happened like weird on that land or if it's just again just sort of replaying from a memory a long time ago I don't know but it's it's almost like illogical in a sense like at least with you there's there's like a story like it was him crawling back in the window but it's like who is this strange man what is he doing here like random white man like at least so you know why the native american was traumatized like yeah 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 so is connecting with ghosts possible yeah there's that's why there's the clairs like the clairvoyance claire audience so on and so forth but should you not nah, don't <laughs> Don't open portals, guys. Don't open mm-hmm. portals that you don't know. You yeah. don't want to mess with this stuff, guys. Yeah, like, if you can't close it, don't open it. You don't want to touch it. You're just causing trouble, causing problems. We're towing it around it, and guys, essentially, just respect us. Mm-hmm. Just don't be Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures trying to literally pick fights with spirits. Like... <laughs> That's just, like, the face of what not to do. Um. Yeah. So I have a theorem about 13 ghosts. It it probably has to do with how freaky that town is because we've talked about it in some bonus features that we might be putting out about how that town that we grew up in is so freaky. But also, I think that there's different types of ghosts that all can... Um, exist and there's like energies that are left over for example like um, in a different way how when you enter a room right after someone's been arguing the air feels different it's sort of like that except 
it's someone's whole essence. Um, and also when 13 said that um, right after someone passes, there is more opportunity for someone to contact you. That reminded me of when my grandma died. So we had one of those old TVs, those box TVs. So basically, I didn't know she was dead yet, but that TV kept on turning off and on by itself. And there was no explanation for that. But deep down, I knew that it was her. And then the next morning we got confirmation. Um, and I just, yeah, I just knew that it was her. And something interesting about that is that my grandma and my mom sort of agreed that if one of them dies to visit the other one and she my grandma said that I'm not going to appear to you as a like as a person ghost because that would terrify you and I don't want to scare you and I guess this is how she did it she appeared through the TV sort of like poltergeist but cuter that's cute I feel like it's like if you do want those like because i know some people do not want to like experience from their dead loved ones but if you do want to make contact with your dead loved ones i feel like that is one of those things where like so i feel like i might have had similar talks with my grandparents where like i feel like my grandma is cool enough to where she'd be like popping in my dreams and shit but i, I don't know i feel like that is something that we might have certain control over So yeah, death really shouldn't be something that you're afraid of because it is like 13 said earlier, not only is it an old friend, but it's one of the only things that life promises you, kind of like the patterns in the universe, such as numbers, which we will be talking about in our next episode. So now that we've ascended to the spiritual realm, it's time for the reading of our last will and testament. So ladies, any last words? First, my intention. Um, I feel like something that's a good intention is to just be committed to your journey of life. I don't know, I feel like there was a time in my life where um, death did sort of scare me. And it's one of those things that like, I still just like have trouble coming to terms with the fact that I'm gonna die, my loved ones are gonna die. But again, it, like, um, like number nine just said, it's one of the only things life guarantees you. And um, I don't know, I'm, I'm learning to detach and I'm learning to, um, make life what I want it to be and to live a full life because I don't know death is scary but it's also a, a blessing because if we weren't gonna die if we're not gonna die if we don't have the threat of death looming, looming over us then are we gonna accomplish anything like if there's no time limit then maybe we won't like do anything in life you know it's like if you have all of this time you're not going to treat it well but if we know we have a limited time you know you're gonna um 
treat it well and use it wisely. So I think that's just my plan is to treat this time um, well and use it the best I can. And I think it's just important to just commit myself to the path of continuing to grow and continuing to move through these deaths. And like I said, there's there's mental deaths, there's spiritual deaths, there's plenty of deaths we go through that aren't actual death on an everyday basis. So I just want to commit to being with myself and being gentle with myself through these deaths because that's the only way to get through. So my intentions is to continue my relationship with Our Lady of Death and also just like 13 said be more mindful about the way i live life and appreciate the time i have on this material realm as much as i like to bash on it and as much as i want nothing more than to ascend past this um, material realm i'm meant to experience it so i'll just enjoy it and basically honor the memory of our fallen agent uh, who we didn't really get to talk about, but she has been guiding us as a fallen agent that sadly couldn't make it onto the podcast, but She has been serving the mother eye, leading us towards this. And a fun story that I wanted to share is that she guided us one day to make this podcast because 13, 9, and I were doing some urban exploration during a winter solstice mission. And Basically, we came across the Mother Eye, and that sort of set us down our expedition. Yeah, Rip, our queen. Um, on a similar note, uh, to agents 12, or 13 and 11, I also want to definitely cherish every single moment that I have left of this this specific life um, because we truly don't know when our end time is like so much could happen within an hour or a year it's just crazy but like definitely making a more of effort to tell like my loved ones that I love them and making it and just definitely cherishing all the like tiny moments of life yeah okay 
Um, I guess I'm just biding my time until I die. <laughs> my intention is to die. Um. <laughs> and that is an intention that will be fulfilled. <laughs> yes. Ah, my intention is to be a sexy corpse. My intention is to be a sexy ghost. This has been our eighth episode. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the number three S T E Y E. That's thirst. I, and make sure to follow us on Spotify and give us five stars on Apple podcast. And thanks for coming to our funeral.